0: Feelings, that's what I want to talk about today. How are you doing concerning your feelings? You probably have heard people speak. I'm going to go ahead and turn this on, Parker, if you could go ahead and do me a favor and dim the other lights just a little bit for the sake of home. Or did you do that already? I think it's important for those at home to have good lighting uh, so they can see things. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn Psalm 116, who is the author and why are we talking about feelings? You may remember a song years ago by Perry Como, Feelings. Oh, feelings. (laughs) Nothing more than what? It's all they were. So he wrote about it. Well, there was someone that came before him that just not only sang about it, but wrote about it. And sometimes we don't relate to the Scripture because maybe perhaps we haven't sensed the need for the Scripture. Maybe there's been times in our lives where we have kind of an exaggerated opinion of how we're going to be able to do life and we'll be able to be sex- successful without the scriptures. Who needs them? Until you come to the place of being crushed. And, and the Lord knows that at those times of difficulty, those times of despair, that we can turn to the scriptures and we can help be helped. But when we're talking about feelings, we're talking about someone who had an incredible amount of ability to express it in pen. That's what he did here uh, in Psalm 116. If we were to look at Psalm 107 uh, all the way through to, let's see, 107, 111, uh, 112, 113, 114, uh, 117, and eighteen, we would look at these as being the Paschal, uh I think it's Hallel uh, songs that the Jewish people sing mostly around the Passover. That this is actually going back to that. And so, if you were to study Psalm one sixteen, you would find you wouldn't find the author. You would find that it's the Psalmist wrote it. That's what they call him, the Psalmist. And in here, he could have been uh, prior, if you would, could be prior to to uh, to to the the. the or the coming out of, in Egypt, go ahead and sit down, fellas. Thank you so much, Parker. If, if uh, anybody else comes in, you've got some more spots up here uh, to my right and a few more spots over here. You can bring them right. It's, it's a hard to get that front row, so they come in late, they get the front row. So it's a little bit easier. But, but anyways, we're thinking about this. As they come out of the, the children come out of Egypt, this is when this psalm may have ri- been written. But there's two viewpoints. Uh, there is also the viewpoint that this psalm was written... After they came back from captivity, Zerubbabel's there with them. They come over and look at the city, and they see the ruins that the, the, uh, the, the Chaldeans had destroyed and, and had uh, burned the city, and the despair was involved with this and the discouragement. But there was also this desire to rebuild, and then they did. And I like that when I think about the Jewish people and how they were able to come out of bondage. Uh, out of Egypt, and how they were coming out of, of course, the bondage for for 70 years also, uh, and how that they were able to be successful because they continued on with the cause. Uh, and I think there is a cause for us to continue on because the Lord said we are to carry on until he comes, and he will be with us until the end of the world. Amen? And so we continue on. So Psalm 116, as far as its history and background, is very special to the Jewish people. Many of them sing it and they read it and they understand a little bit more of of why it is there and for them to be able to sing and enjoy and then to encourage one another. But when we're talking about feelings, I think we have a tremendous amount of understanding in the text and we can bring that out. If you were to read it, you would see in verse number six, he talks about being simple, Do you feel like you're a simple person, that you don't get it like everybody else gets it? Then the word of God is for you, because God wants the humble to come to him. In fact, he resists the proud, and he comes and he gives grace to the humble. And we see that all over in the New Testament. As we see here in the text, in verse number six, the Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Uh, The word helped here is rescued me, and how he, he was able to deliver me. And uh, the Lord has done that for the person writing it, the psalmist. It's a personal psalm. I think a first-person singular, when it begins, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication, shows that it is a personal psalm. And you could probably write your own. You probably look back at times in your life where you had difficulties and where you felt feelings that took you. Maybe right now you feel feelings of frustration, about our world and about the condition that, that we're in, because you want to do things and you can't do them. And uh, not only because it's against the laws, but then there'll be people around you that will shame you into condition. You, you better do what they're telling you to do. And so you feel that pressure and that frustration's there. Well, we're going to do it because it's right, you know, and it's difficult to handle some of the things that we're going through today. And so we feel these frustrations from around us. We feel feelings of anger at times. And maybe you at home feel angry today about some reason. And you really can't pinpoint it. But you know that you can come to God for help, and He will help you during times of frustration, feelings of frustrations, and feelings of, of anger. But there's also the feelings of being overwhelmed You have too many responsibilities. You have too many tasks before you, and how can you do it all? Listen to me, dear friend. If you are a people person and you're trying to please people, you will constantly be overwhelmed. You need to please God. Obey God. Keep keep going and and, and look to Him and trust Him. People are going to reject you. People are going to turn away from you. Maybe you're overwhelmed in that area of responsibilities and you feel like your brain can't take anymore. And so you try to readjust your cell phone so it will help you. And then you lose your cell phone and you become more frustrated because you can't find everything. Because without it, you can't do anything. I remember being in the um, store at Northland Baptist Bible College. They had a store where you could buy sweatshirts and different things and Bibles. And I was with uh, Dr. Douglas McLaughlin. And we were talking and going back and forth on a few things. And uh, we got over toward the front door and all of a sudden he said, my notes. Where are my notes? He was going to preach in chapel and he needed to have them. He is an expository preacher and he keeps his notes. And if you ever watch him preach, he's right here all the time. And he couldn't find them. Sometimes that's the way we get with life. We have to have everything right in our place, otherwise we get frustrated and we get overwhelmed and we think we can't do it. And then there's tears and there's frustration where you sit down and you say, I can't do this anymore. Let me just share with you, friend, that you're not the only person that's felt that way. Satan will try to make you think that no one else feels that way. And and by the way, if you feel that way, it's okay. There are times to cry. There are times to weep. There are times to say I am overwhelmed and I can't do it. But God knows who you are. He's been watching you. He's been taking care of you all these years. And he will take care of you now through this difficulty. COVID nineteen is no surprise to our God. Sure took us by surprise. Sure took the NFL and the NBA and all those guys by surprise. You know. I don't think CNN has quite recovered yet. Even with medication, I don't think they've recovered yet. (laughs) Um, Maybe someday they will. Uh, But by that time, we'll probably all be gone. And they'll still be broadcasting, unfortunately. Uh, All we can do is pray for CNN, right? And the officials of Madison, pray for them, that they would understand things biblically. We have feelings of being overwhelmed, and how do we overcome those well I think any of the feelings we have we draw nigh to God. The Bible says in James chapter 8 verse number James James chapter 4 verse number 8 draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. What a promise. It says humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So humble your heart, draw near to God and you'll get through your feelings of being overwhelmed. But this is interesting because we also have feelings of rejection. Nobody likes to be rejected. And feelings of rejection come. And why are they rejecting me? No, they're not rejecting you. For the, for the Christian, they may reject your God, but not you. You know, I, I was so blessed just yesterday, or the day before yesterday, I was up at the hospital and I was coming out of the room and I was a little emotional and little little uh, Mario's doing a little bit better keep praying for him, and to you that don't know, our, our Spanish-speaking pastor, uh, his wife had a baby last Tuesday morning, and the baby had broke its arm in the delivery. Um, it was a hard delivery for her, a uh, 10-pound baby, and, um, but uh, there was some neurological issues that they're concerned about, and so they have him in ICU, and uh, for the first time, she was able to hold him yesterday. And uh, she wanted to take him across the the door, the threshold, and bring him into the home, correct? That's what she wanted to do, but she couldn't. And so I was up there with them, and they treat me like I'm their parents because Meritor Hospital has given me clearance. I can go in any time and walk in, even to the ICU, which was a blessing. And I went in and prayed with them and talked with them, and I came out kind of emotional, and there was three nurses staring at me, and I'm crying. And I said, these are not tears of hurt. These are tears of joy for a wonderful couple. I said, take care of them. And then I went on my way. You know, sometimes when we cry, it's it's kind of a mixed emotion, isn't it? You feel bad, but you know God is there. And sometimes when we have feelings like this, we think, well, I can just trust them. We need to be careful with our feelings, even though they're there. Feelings of rejection happens, and I think that sometimes when people do reject you, they're rejecting what you stand for, perhaps it's whatever it is uh, that you uh, show and that you display, what you reveal to people. And so it's not necessarily you. I think feelings of rejection come to people that uh, could cause them to get discouraged. Remember this, that God will never reject you. All who come to him, he will in no wise cast you out. It doesn't matter what you've been through, where you've been, Uh, uh, how long you've been there, you come to the Lord and he will receive you. Come unto me, all ye that are burdened. Not just a few, as some teach. Any person in the sound of my voice that needs to come to God can come to him and he will will help you and he will strengthen you no matter what the difficulty is. Feelings, feelings of fear. Sometimes fear guides people. I got a text just recently by a young lady, and uh, going through some difficult things. Her sister had uh, her had passed away, and uh, younger sister, and a young girl, and uh, and I said to her, text back to her. I said fear is a horrible thing. Uh, fear fear will take you farther than you want to go. You have to be careful with fear. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ casts out all fear. That's When we trust him, perfect love casts out all fear. And so we trust the Lord, and we understand his love. But then there's feelings of shame and guilt and despair, and and sometimes it can lead to delusion if we're not careful. I think guilt comes from violating God's moral law and sets us really apart from God, and so we must go back to him. Remember what Proverbs 13, verse 18 says, Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuses instruction, but he that regards reproof shall be honored. And so when God does come along and reprove us, and we know when that happens that we must turn to him, and then we are honored because we obey God. But their feelings of grief and sorrow are somewhat normal. For us, because it tells us in the book of Genesis that we would actually live our lives with sorrow, live live our lives with grief, and sometimes we have to be more sensitive to women after they have babies because of the sorrow that they go into. It's like that post-birth sorrow that they go into, and so we're we're we're, we're making sure that we say the right things and do the right things. We ought to be that way all the time, but especially when they have a child. And sometimes when men go through difficulties and discouragements and and, and times of of grief, uh, it's like a wave that takes them to a different shore, uh, someplace where they never thought they would be. God wanted to take them there for some reason. But I didn't plan this trip, but God did. And so we say, yes, Lord, yes, have your will and have your way, even with my sorrows and my griefs even when they're stronger than I can handle. And then, of course, we have feelings of loneliness. I think that my grandpa said it best when I was with him once, he said, Dean, I feel lonely even when I'm around all kinds of people. My grandpa was an alcoholic, he got saved. He was a drunk, basically, but he got saved and became a deacon, a song leader in a church. But he still struggled with the lonely feelings of nobody really being there for them and, and really being around all kinds of things. But yet, down deep in the heart and in the soul, there's a lonely feeling. And so as I'm talking about feelings, I think you can place yourself underneath this understanding that you are in your pre-heaven state. You know, when we get to heaven, things are going to be different, Right? But since we're in that pre-heaven state or that condition, we feel sorrow, we feel fear, we feel these things. But we have to be careful in the area of our feelings. I think about how that we ought to remember that during times of depression, uh, we need to make sure that we keep our hearts tender toward the Lord. I think about D. Martin Joint Jones, and he wrote a book on spiritual depression. Uh, page one twelve. He wrote this. Now, that is the essence of the problem. In other words, our feelings are variable, and I would emphasize that the same is true of our temperament, whatever it may be. We are all given our temperament by God. He has made no two, or uh, he had made no two of us the same, and we must remain different and accept ourselves as different. And yes, we have our temperament, but there is nothing that is so wrong and unchristian as to allow our temperament to rule us. We all know the person who says, I always speak my mind. I, I, um, I always say what I think. Then just think about the damage that you've done through the years with that self Righteous attitude. Uh, He goes on to say, what if everybody did that? They say that I'm that sort of person. That's just the way I am. The answer to them is that they should not be. That does not mean that they can change their temperament, but they can control it. And in times like this, the Christian ought to be the person that steps forward and says, I can control my emotions by the grace of God. And I can control the emotions and the feelings that God has allowed me to have. And I can control those through the spirit of God. And that's why it's important for us to understand that religion is good. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is better. And what I mean by that is there needs to come a place, you personally, where you have bowed your head before an almighty God and accept his way of salvation and, try and, and not try to start gaining your own. That you personally will sense the need of your own soul. Down deeper, nobody can see you. You feel the, 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 the need of God. You need his spirit in you. And otherwise, you self-medicate. Otherwise, you recline or you retreat to your home and you stay away from people. But there is that need then for us to come to the place of being born from above. Because we know we have been born in a hospital or maybe in a home somewhere. or You know. But there needs to be a new birth for you. I don't care how wonderful your family is. You personally need Jesus alone. You and him with that relationship. And when that takes place, then you have been a partaker of the divine nature. And the Holy Spirit lives within you. And what a joy it is at times where you just begin to weep because you're so happy. That you know that his spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. Are you empty inside today? Are you one of those people that still lack that relationship with God? Then good luck with your feelings. Because you're not going to be able to handle these things without the Lord. That's why I'm always wondering, how do people handle these things without God? How can they be able to function? So the psalmist wrote these things for us. In this psalm, I'm going to break it up into three areas, and I want to give you three things really quickly that you can write down if you'd like or, or just keep in your mind that will help you in the area of going through this. In our text this morning, we can see how to get victory over our feelings and emotions. So we need to have, a first thing, a proper view of things. And vision is our whole desire this year, that your eyes would be open. And the Lord seems to do that to us at times, doesn't he? You ever sit down and all of a sudden you say, oh, now I see, you know. I'm working on some real difficult things right now in my office, and I don't know how to do things very well. I'm not very smart. And so I have to constantly look it over, and I'm doing a lot of reading and writing. And, and uh, just yesterday I had to call somebody, Brother Aaron, and say, Aaron, I'm a little, I'm, a little, I, I'm caught up. I don't know how to indent my paragraphs when I'm writing you know, something simple that you could do. And he showed me how to manually do it. And after you do it twice on my computer, it automatically locks it and it does it for all the, all the paragraphs now. So it was a blessing. And I was like, oh, I was on the phone with them. you know. Here I am in need. Can you help me? Then he tells me. And I think, oh, okay, I don't need you anymore, Aaron. Thank you. Click. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and sad to say, sometimes that's what happens with our God. Is that We say, Lord, I can't get through this. I need you to open my eyes. And he does. And then you say, okay, God, I'm done. Go on. Just do your own thing. Forget to say, thank you, Lord. What a blessing. When anybody does anything around here, I try to thank them. I try to do it right away, because otherwise I'll forget. Thank you for washing the windows yesterday so people could see out better. Thank you for doing the trim after the mowing. Thank you for all of the cleaning that was done yesterday. But I need to move on. So the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is that we need to have a proper view of the Lord. And the psalmist does. And and I want you to see these verses in 1 through 4. Look at your Bible, if you would. Psalm 116, it says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. So it's more than just a voice. There is this inner cry. There is this emotional outletting that goes on with the psalmist. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, and therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell hold upon me. And I found trouble, and I found sorrow. And so he's expressing how he's feeling. And then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Maybe that's the prayer you could pray next time, when you feel that way kind of use it for a model prayer, to say I can cry out to him in times of difficulty. But I think it's interesting because it's, it's a loving view of God. And it's a loving view of God because he knows that God loves him. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know. Yeah. It's a lot better than Perry Como's song, right? <laughs> the Bible tells me so. And so when we get to that place where we're that humble to sing something like that, And that lull to sing something like that, God can work with us. And our view of him is proper. And what happens in our life is everything else seems to line up with that kind of an attitude. It is a loving view of God. Because he loves me. A loving view of God. And a view of God that hears me when I cry. I know you can hear me. Remember, Lord, that day back in 1968 when I was sitting in a little steel chair And I cried out to you and I asked you to save me. Remember that, Lord? I was there and I was little. But I know you heard me. And you've heard me ever since. And you've never stopped hearing me. That's the view that we need to have of God through difficult times. When our feelings seem to be pressing upon us and our emotions seem to be out of whack, we have to go back and get a proper view of the Lord It'll help us through the difficult times. The little boy was eagerly looking forward to the birthday party down the road with one of his friends, just a few blocks away. When when it finally arrived, there was an incredible blizzard going on. And, of course, he begged his father, and he said, the other boys are still going. I can still go, and the dad didn't want him to go. He begged and begged, begged. Finally, the father said, okay, you can go. The boy opened up the door. Of course, he had his boots on. He was all wrapped up in his coat and everything. And he went through the blizzard, barely made it to the front door of his buddy's home and knocked on the door. And the door opened. And just as it opened, he kind of turned his head to look back to see the storm. And he could see his dad turning around and going back home. And that was his view of his dad. And that's the view of your father in heaven. Whatever journey you're on, he is right there with you. He is next to you in the hospital room when you get the bad news. He is there with you when the military calls and says, I'm sorry about your son. He is is there with you during those difficult times when you say, life doesn't make sense. God is right there. Is that your view of him? Even when there's transitions in your life that you don't agree with, Submit to God, and everything will make sense. I think it's important for us to have the proper view of God, loving view. The Bible says, The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this day forth and even forevermore. <laughs> I, I love that particular song and every step I take. I, I know that God is there, and he will help you. It's a gracious view of God. This is the kind of view we need to have of God during difficult times, that he has shared grace with you. And let me just say this too, more sin, more grace. We're living in some sinful days, are we not? But grace is strong. Grace is increasing when times of sin are upon us. God is graceful. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 5, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, they all who are subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Interesting, because I heard about an atheist who said, if there is a God, maybe he would prove himself by striking me dead right now. And nothing happened. You see, there's not a God. And the person responded next to him said, you've only proved that our God is gracious. He is a satisfying God. Do you look to him as being satisfying? Are you satisfied with him today? I mean, if you think about it, he, he is all you need. Christ is all I need. Have you ever sang it before? I, I, I love that song because it, it shows that he's all we need. I, I like re- reading older s- songs from people. One of the songwriters for Billy Sunday wrote a song called He Satisfies My Soul. Let me just read to you a few words. It's hard to read because it's written so small a print. It says, I'm satisfied with Jesus. I walk the narrow way. He fills my heart with glory. And I'll watch and fight and pray. His voice gives the sweetest comfort when billows near me roll. Oh, bless his name. I love him. He satisfies my soul. It's a beautiful song, but can you imagine this? Someone sitting in their home with dim light, writing out those words, that soul was content enough to write it down. Jesus satisfies my soul. Someone wrote this, He that is down needs fear no fall, and he that is low no pride. And he that is humble ever shall have God by his side. I am content with what I have. Little it may be, or much. O oh Lord, contentment, still I crave, because thou sayest such," written by John Bunyan. It's amazing when we think about how good God's been to us and have a proper view of Him through difficult times, it'll help us in the air of our emotions, But the second thing is have a proper view of salvation. It's important for us to know where we're going to go when we die. Don't you think that would be a good thing to take care of? Many of you take care of your health insurance. You take care of your life insurance. But have you taken care of your assurance of where you're going to go when you pass? Did you know the Bible tells us that you can know that you can know that you can know you're going to heaven when you die? The Bible makes it very clear. These things I read unto you that you may know you have eternal life. But I just don't know if I've been good enough. I just don't know if that's why the works of righteousness are like filthier, filthier eggs. What we do good things, what we did all this, and we're this good person. That doesn't get us to heaven. We all, by nature, are sinners. Sin fell upon all men. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know this. It is basic. It's 101. But sometimes we need to be reminded that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's interesting when we think about this: for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that we have fallen short of it. It's like when I was in the military, we had to shoot targets. Some were up 500 yards away. It's a long ways to shoot. Oh, you, you fell short, Dean. You didn't hit the mark. Well, none of us can hit the mark when it comes to salvation. We all fall short. Every single one of us. The only person that is righteous and pure and clean and holy when it comes to salvation is Jesus Christ. And so we trust him. His righteousness. So the proper view of salvation. You turn from your sin and helplessness and turn to him. That's when we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16 verse 30 and 31. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And so I think it's also an interesting thing that we not need to believe in our heart, but also confess with our mouth. We see this in Romans ten nine, where the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In Romans 10:13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. D.L. Modi said this. He said the thief had nails through his hands so that he could not work and a nail through each foot so he could not run errands for the Lord. He could not lift his hands or foot toward his salvation. And yes, Christ offered him the gift of salvation, and he took it. Christ, through him, the passport to paradise. And it was by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. His work on the cross saves you. In closing, I I think there's one more view that we need to check, and that's the view of your purpose in life. This is a simple thing, dear friend, but God has a purpose for you. Do you know what it is? Are you kind of dog paddling Concerning your purpose in life. Are you wondering where you, where you should go? What you should do? Where do I fit in? What am I going to do? God knows who you are. And he's, he's desired you to give him glory your whole life. It, that's his main desire, that you would, whatever you do, give him glory. And he may have a perfect will for your life, and maybe you miss that somewhat. But then he, he gives you this, uh, this, this grace so that you can maybe do his, his uh, not his perfected will for you, but maybe his secondary will for you. He's that graceful. God is a great God. But do you have a view of what you should be doing Billy Sunday said, more men fail through lack of purpose than lack of talent. I believe that. I have no talent. Never had. But I keep trotting along. I keep trying to do the best I can to glorify the King of Kings. I know who saved me, and I know who I'm going to give an account to someday. And uh, I'm thankful for that. I think it's interesting as we think about this because I, I really believe that Servant leadership or servant heart is what's necessary in these days. Whatever you do, whatever task you're involved in, be the servant to do it. If you have to stay longer, if you have to work harder, then get it done, dear Christian. And don't look to everybody else to do your work for you. You do it. It's interesting as we think about this, 1 Corinthians 7.22 says this. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he hath called, being free. He is Christ's servant. Serve him. I think about John Wesley. He said this, I I want the whole, he he said this, "We, we act as though comfort and luxury were the chief requirements of life. When all that we need to make us really happy is just being Enthusiastic about serving others. What is your purpose in life? How are your emotions? How are your feelings? C.S. Lewis said this, the glory of God and as our only means to glorify him, the salvation of human souls is the real business of life. I think it's interesting when you look at this text, it helps us to understand that we need to have a proper view of who God is. Look at verse number 5. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. And I was brought low, but he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul. For the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, and mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. You know what happens here is an incredible amount of renewal and purpose and desire. After he has the proper view of God, and after he has the proper view, really, of his purpose in life, and the proper view of salvation, look what it says in verse number 13. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Look at verse 14. I will pay my vows unto the Lord. Now in the presence of all his people, precious in the sight of the Lord, is the death of his saints. In closing, closing, we see this also. I want you to see this, how free we are. Oh, Lord, truly. And by the way, let me just show you something, too, in the text that will help you to, to relate with this. How many have ever, I want you to raise your hand. How many in this room ever felt like you couldn't trust anybody? The psalmist felt that way. Because of verse number 11, he said, I said in my haste, all men are liars. Well, the Bible says that, what, all men are liars when well, God is true? The book of Romans? So, all we're doing is admitting that. But the freedom is mentioned in verse number 16. It says, O oh Lord, truly I am thy, thy servant, I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaiden, and thou hast loosed my bonds. Wow, I, I've been freed from all of this. And, and I, I understand that I was so low and so, so bound by, by looking at others and thinking that nobody can be trusted, and, and all of this is in my life. And then he says, wait a minute. If I can just be your servant, Lord, if I can just hold the door of the church open while people come in, I will be content." O Lord, truly I am thy servant, and I, I am thy servant, the son of thine handmaiden, and thou hast loosed my bonds, and I will offer to thee sacrifice of thanksgiving, and will call upon the name of the Lord, and I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Verse number eighteen shows us that we need to let people know that we're born again. If they really took the evidence and convicted, would they be able to convict you that you're a born-again Christian? Sometimes in the workplace, we go ahead with everybody else and just do what they're doing and afterwards, meet them afterwards and live like them and act like them and everything's fine. No, it's not just fine. God wants us to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And he'll be our God. And he will be a father that will take care of us and meet our needs. Have your feelings been in control lately? It's no way to live, to be bound by fear, to be bound by feelings of overwhelmed, of being overwhelmed. Rise above it, dear friend. View God properly. <laughs> View salvation rightly, because once he saved you, you're saved forever. You don't have to go back and get saved again. When your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it is there forever. They don't erase it one day and put it back in the next day. You've come to Christ when you were an eight-year-old child like me. I'm 59. 51 years ago I came to Christ, and he has never let me down. Have I let him down? Yes, I have. I told him this morning I did. He knows me. He knows my name. He knows your name. How are you doing, dear Christian? Are you missing it? Life is full of abundance, but don't let your feelings or your temperament control you. Let the Holy Spirit control you day by day, rejoicing in him. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. And you at home, if you could pray also with me, maybe there's a soul here this morning that says, Pastor, you were speaking to me. I still don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. I know that there is a God. I see it outside at night. I watch the sunset. I, I see what he's doing to the fields and to the trees, and I know there is a God. How do I get to him? Only through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And Maybe you're here this morning, and you'd say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Because I don't know if I'm saved. I won't point you out, but I'll pray for you. Just lift your hand and say, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm not sure. Maybe this morning, this message was for a Christian here. Maybe God has been working with you all week, and he's taken you to to new heights. He's taken you maybe to some new lows, too. Maybe, I don't know, but... Now he's working in you, and you know you're saved, but you really want the Lord to help you this morning with your feelings. And you say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I won't point you out this morning, but I'll pray for you. Is there anyone say, Pastor, please pray for me? I'm saved, but I'm not sure about what's going on with my feelings and my emotions. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. God sees your hand. God knows. Amen. Amen. Put your hands down. You see, it's about really doing business with God today. It's amazing because people in this city think they're doing business today. They are, but not God's business. The most important thing that's happening in this city is happening right here on this corner. God is working in you. Can you say yes to him? You sure can. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we just stand to your feet, no one looking around this morning. Maybe you need to come this morning. Kneel down at an old-fashioned altar and talk to God. Maybe just remind him of those times that you've done this before. I don't know. But if you need to come this morning, whatever the need is, whether it's salvation or church membership, maybe it's baptism, but why don't you come say, here I am. I'm willing now and ready in 2020 to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done, the piano will begin to play. And so also with the invitation. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide in this time. I pray, Lord, that you bless the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you say yes, Lord? stanza if you need to come Carrie West has been part of our church for a long time. We love you, Carrie. But Carrie was praying for his brother to come out of Chicago and be safe and get up here, right? He's been staying with you, right? Well, he broke down this morning, and he's praying to God right now And there, and some men are dealing with him. But what a blessing that you brought him, and thank you for doing what's right, bringing him to church this morning. You love him, and you want to see him make the right decisions that you've made. Yeah, we'll keep praying for him. What a blessing. But uh, anyway, it's been a good day. Looking forward to this evening, 5 o'clock. If you want to learn on how to take someone, there's presuppositions people have about this class even. There's no desire in mind other than to help you lead someone else to Jesus Christ. 5 o'clock, come today. We'll be in the teen room. Uh, if we have to, we'll go in the auditorium. But then at 6 o'clock tonight, I'm going to talk about a message that's needed it's it's a title, Don't Judge Anybody Anymore. And it's right from the text, right from the Bible. It's, it'll help you because sometimes we're so quick to judge people. And you know what? <laughs>